welcome to High Action. I'm Perry Smith. I'm Will Brom. I'm John Story, and together we're the New West Guitar Group. On today's episode, we're featuring guitarist Molly Miller. A special thanks to our Patreon members and our sponsors who make this podcast possible. For more information on High Action and how you can get involved, please visit www.newwestguitar.com slash highaction. What's up? New West Guitar Group here, and we have episode 43 with the fantastic Molly Miller. We're so excited to have her, a good old chum of uh, all of ours, really. And, you know, she's a fantastic guitar player on the scene in Los Angeles, in the jazz scene, but just also in the creative music scene. I'm always amazed at where I hear Molly and the gigs that she does around town with her trio. One thing I think is really cool is she's definitely a player who really utilizes to its full potential that cool ES-335, which is a guitar that we are all fans of in the New West Guitar Group. And uh, Curious Will, Mm -hmm. the 335, when I met you, you were playing an Epiphone Joe Pass, but then you got that 335 after that. Is that right? Yeah, I got my 335 in 2011, and that guitar can do anything. It can travel anywhere. It's, I think, I think if a jazz guitarist were to have one guitar in their career for any gig, it should be a 335. You can play jazz, you could play rock, you could play, you know, pop, you can play anything on it. Yeah. So it's been very faithful to me. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I, I remember for a while, a few of the other gigs that you and I were doing around town duo, you were playing your 335 and you were saying, man, I just, I'm so comfortable in this guitar. I just love playing this guitar. I didn't have one at the time, and then I got one in 2017, finally. And yeah, I mean, I I love my 335. I use it a ton for a variety of things. But it's interesting, Perry, I remember being on the road once with you, and we were talking about the 335, and you said, that's a great jazz guitar, but I don't think it's the kind of guitar that really lends itself well to like swinging on, which is kind of interesting concept that a guitar would do that. I wonder if you could, do you still feel that? And do you explain a little bit of what what that means to to everybody? Yeah, I I mean, I think in comparison to a box, I do feel that way, like a fully hollow guitar, uh, especially an L5 or a 175 or Super 400. I just feel like you can push more air because they're hollow. And there's something about that that creates a sound that I feel like is swinging, right. you know. Uh, but that's not to take away from the 335 because I absolutely love the 335 for all other kinds of reasons. Right. It's kind of like you know, my 175. It's gonna really frustrate me at times on certain gigs where a 335 is gonna give you exactly what you need. So, right. To Will's point, it probably is the most versatile guitar maybe up there with the telly but it's it's yeah. pretty freaking versatile a 335 mm-hmm. and it's cool that molly plays one and is committed to one and also equally impressive about molly is that she went all the way through school and got her doctorate and still has all this energy to play creative music all the time and get out there on the scene and be gigging like a boss mm-hmm. so yeah it was a really fun interview she's got a uh just, i don't know great personality Great sense of playing, comes from a musical family in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a treat to have her on the, uh, on the podcast. Definitely, 
Definitely. And I, and you know, somebody that I'm, I'm looking forward as things open up more in Los Angeles, getting out. She's always somebody I see on the scene. If I'm going to a gig, she's usually hanging out there, you know, and, and, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to, uh, have things open up more so that I can be hanging out with all these great players. Thanks again, everybody for listening and follow us over at Patreon. We're still in our spring pledge drive of 25 subscribers. We're getting really close to thanks to all of our followers over there for helping to pitch in on the production of the podcast without further ado here we go episode 43 of the high action podcast with the great molly miller Molly, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining us on High Action today. How you doing down there? Um, I'm so good. It's so nice to see your faces. Uh, yeah. I know. Yeah, and I, I'm good. I say down in terms of L.A. I'm in Burbank, so I assume that you're south of me somewhere, right? Uh, you know, are you still down in the South Bay, kind of, or what part of town are you in these days? You know what? I live over in the Silver Lake area. I've been there for like. God, almost 10 years. I think that the summer is 10 years. Wow. So yeah, but in this very moment, I'm closer to Will. I'm actually at my parents' house today. Um, Sammy, my brother, who's a wonderful drummer, and he just got back into town from New York. And so I came down here uh, to make some music with him. Yeah, so we're at my parents' house to jam. Every four years, I get another PV student. Like Perry, you remember Ari and Noah and all of them. I just have like these like conglomerate of jazz guitarists that are coming out of that area so there must be something down there i mean what what was it like growing up in that area in terms of um you know, i know you know, i know you come from a bit of a musical family and stuff uh, you know if you yeah. give us a little background i mean it's funny because when i think of palace verdes in the south bay in general i don't think it's a particularly like creative or musical or artsy area i just was having this discussion with someone else like the difference between the south bay versus like palace verdes in particular versus some other areas in la and like it's funny because this is not a place that like just like screams creativity by any means and like growing up there is not many people who were into the music i was into per se so like sammy and i were you know created a combo at our high school so we had a place to like play jazz music and not just our big band in high school um things like that so it was not filled with like jazz and music in that sense but we sought out opportunities and i think because we're so close to la it's easy like we did scsboa we did colburn things like that where is like you know and there's amazing teachers like i was studying with steve cotter when i was in high school he's a wonderful jazz guitarist based in la so like you have access to so much but it's not necessarily in palace verdes yeah it's true and you know la in general has kind of an interesting vibe it's so spread out and the difference for our listeners who aren't from here the difference from where i am in burbank to where pv is by the way the crow flies is maybe 12 miles but it's a whole world of difference you know and i don't know there's something i love about going down to the south bay and practicing down there on the bluff and we were you know just saying about surfing and being outdoors and you know it's i i love it down there and i know you've been very instrumental down there with the younger musicians i remember running into you years ago with some teaching um with some students through pv high school um down there at at the big hotel that's down there and uh you know, that's so great. And that continues today with my student. They're doing combos at the high school. Um, And, you know, so were your ambitions to become a a musician, do you feel like 
I, I know, again, just to give a little background, I know that you took lessons and you heard Jimi Hendrix, and that was kind of a big light bulb. At that point, did you have ambitions to becoming a professional guitarist, or was it still just fun for you? I'm, I'm kind of curious when that spark happened for you down there. Yeah, my story. So I'm one of five. I'm the middle of five kids. And so myself and my younger brother, Sammy, he's two years younger than me. The two of us are professional musicians now, just, you know, give everyone context. But growing up, the five of us were in a family band. And for me, age seven to 14, we grew up playing like pop music and rock rock music. And I was like notoriously the worst student in the of the five of us. I would do anything to get out of it. I was very social. So like there'd always be like someone's birthday party or something I had to do or like like the longest bathroom break known to human that I was trying to like create so I could just like chill and not play. And then when I was 14, the band kind of stopped because my older siblings went off to college. Right. And I like, it kind of like rocked my world. I was like, Oh my God, wait, I don't really feel the same. I'm not like as hot. I like something's missing from my life. Um, and that was like, you know, the, a two years before that I discovered Hendrix and that for me was like a big deal too because that's when I realized guitar was cool before that it was just something I did you know there was no, it wasn't like conscious in my mind and Hendrix was the first turning point but then the next turning point was when there my, the family band wasn't happening and that's when I sought out lessons with um, Steve Cotter and just like more opportunities with my friends like playing in rock bands with friends and things like that and jazz band at school then when I went to Berkeley College of Music for the summer program I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like just being around musicians, just being around musicians, there was something that um, was so eye-opening for me. It was like, and I was always social, but just being around guitar players and people who are obsessed with this, I just, I felt like I was with my people. And that was really when I had that, like, okay, this is what I'm doing for sure. And I think we like, I don't know what it was like for you guys, but for me, it was like, you have this vague idea. And even I see in my students, you're like, what does it mean to be a professional guitarist or a professional musician? It's kind of like, I don't know, like these like vague ideas of like gigs and maybe traveling and maybe teaching and like, like, I don't know, maybe playing on Broadway was like all over the place. I didn't really know what it meant, Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that I wanted to do it. So yeah, then I went to USC where, you know, I know a couple of of us here all went to USC and I got to study with these amazing people and like it just kept unfolding and I, yeah, so now I feel super fortunate to be a professional musician and I definitely have a a far better understanding now what it means. Oh, for sure. And so I guess then another kind of segue question with that, do you feel like some of your first real performance opportunities were that, that Berkeley summer program outside of performing with your family Um, or was it? Uh, you know, were you even before that Berkeley summer program, were you getting around the South Bay and playing some other shows of your own? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious about that because it's, you know, it's always interesting to hear how players get that first, like, this is me, this is what I'm doing in terms of performing. Oh, yeah, it was for sure Hendrix. Like, there's like these pictures of me, like in middle school, with like, like on my knees, like playing guitar bent over or whatever. Like, I was like, I, oh, I'm like into the performance aspect of it too. I think I just like loved playing mm-hmm. um so it was like with my siblings but then also like blink 182 with like my friends and playing like the school talent show or the local street fair or some random private party that like someone's parents wanted us to play right. with friends and with my family so that was it's like funny when i've been kind of like gigging since i was in like middle like since i was like whatever seven eight i've like the concept of like packing my stuff up getting in the car have originally having my parents drive me somewhere um 
And so, it, but it just, it was always something I did and it's always been a huge way of how I define myself. And right. I think this last year was kind of interesting because I think for all of us, a huge part of our identity is, I, and I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say about this, but like, I define myself as a performing and touring and professional musician. And, you know, I still got to ta- teach and record and do things like that and play with my brother. I was fortunate, but like a huge part of my identity and how I found a lot of my joy in life was performing. And I had to kind of reframe oh, yeah. my concept of my, of what, you know, our identity means as professional guitarists. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. And we're talking also about school and coming out of high school, going into college that feeling of like everything in life doing 360, I felt that out of high school coming down from Portland. I got to LA and I was like, I don't know even where to start. I'm here at USC. I don't have a car. <laughs> and I kind of, it, this year brought back some of those feelings for me too, because we had to kind of start like, okay, where do I start? How do I turn this around? You know, um, and USC for you too. I know that you started, uh, what, what year did you start over there? 2007, eight? 2007 yeah you're good (laughs) i remember because i graduated in 06 and i was still loitering over there around 0708 with jeff stein and some of your compadres that were in the program at the time it was kind of hard to let go of hanging out over there because i missed the hang in front of 101 and i would drive down to long beach where i was living and teach lessons and stop by there just to have lunch with people you know yeah um yeah I know. I was there for nine years, so it was like, oh my God, I'm done. I'm not going to USC anymore. Yeah, now you're just done with it. Well, that that was actually a big question I had for you today and for our listeners. It's interesting. We haven't had a lot of guests on High Action who are, who are um, players that have upper degrees, like even masters and doctorates. And, you know, going into USC, talking about like you're thinking, okay, I have this vague idea about being a guitar player, maybe touring, maybe teaching. Um, when you were at USC, did you kind of find a passion for teaching that made you early on say, you know, I want to aim for those upper degrees or were you kind of more eager right away at honing your, your, the playing chops? Because as we all know, going into a college program, sometimes we have to really focus like on, I'm going to focus on jazz. I'm going to focus on teaching. I'm going to focus on classical guitar. So I'm, I'm curious what it was like those early years at USC for you with that. I didn't want to get my master's or my doctorate. It was kind of like, I was like, I just want to be a musician. I just want to tour. I just want to like do this. And, and I had some family pressure where they were kind of like, okay, like quit school if that happens. But like, and so I, and like during that time, it was kind of crazy. I was gigging a lot with this band, the Vibrometers and other, yes. they're like an Afrobeat funk band. I don't know if you guys remember, I but it was remember like, the we'd have all these. It's so fun. So it was like, like we were gigging from, you know, a typical gig, like for $50 from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. in like bars in downtown a few nights a week. And then other random gigs, teaching at Coast, teaching also private students. And I was a TA at USC and I was getting my degree. I kind of lived this like... When I think back to my like grad school, I was like, I don't know, I, I couldn't do it now. I don't, I have a lot of energy, but I don't have that much energy anymore. And I was just kind of like psychotically doing everything while trying to also like developing as a musician was always the number one. And I was fortunate, I think just playing a lot, I got a lot better, you know, and like, of course, being in school and studying, I kind of needed that time, I think for undergrad, I think of where I was like learning a lot of these like foundational things and getting some of that stuff together then grad school where I just like put it to use and I was just gigging a ton, you know, like at least a few times a week 
three, four times a week, especially like during getting during getting degrees. It was kind of it was a lot thinking back. And now during quarantine, I'm so used to this chiller lifestyle. I don't know how I'm going to go back. I know. know, Right. (laughs) We all have joked that we all feel like wealthy musicians because we've all just been able to just sit at home and work on our music. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know the luxury. Yeah. Yeah. I was resistant. But no. And and then like I'm a passionate musician and a passionate educator. So I feel like I don't feel pulled by this. Like, you know, in my like I kind of have like the this the artist aspect of my life where it's like Molly Miller trio where I'm like leading groups and then I'm the side man where I'm playing with people and then the education aspect and I don't feel like like I get pulled I feel like they all kind of meet nicely and I haven't ever had to choose like I've been you know knock on wood I've been super fortunate to to get to to do all the things and never have this moment where it's like well you're gonna have to quit this band or not do this and like I hope I don't have to face that day because I think all the these different parts of my life inform the other and make me stronger at at each aspect right and I'm curious if you have advice for some people that might be listening who are trying to decide if they should stay in school and go for those upper degrees and then they want to start gigging Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you, I think it's like knowing yourself, but for me, like I love school, I love learning. And it wasn't like, I was never someone who was like hated school. So for me being in school while gigging, sometimes it was a huge drag and I had some, some moments that were not fun and I didn't sleep a lot, but I kind of thrive off like that sort of adrenaline and so I think it's like you I tell people, but like some people like hate school and don't do well in it, but right. I do. So I only know my own experience, really. This episode of High Action is brought to you by Jeff Traugott Guitars. Jeff Traugott is an amazing luthier. He's based in Santa Cruz, California. New West has a long history with Jeff. We've performed on his instruments for almost 15 years now, in particular models like the R and the BK. Jeff's instruments are amongst the finest in the world for flat-top acoustic guitars. Uh, Chris Martin of Martin Guitars says, Builders like Jeff have helped raise the standards of our craft to the highest levels ever. So for more information on how you can find one of his instruments or to check out his current offerings, visit TraugottGuitars.com. We met in front of 101 one day, and you had your Walnut 335, and I was like, man, this is like the nicest 335 I've played in a long time, and you were like, this, I haven't played an L5 before, and this is, I remember we kind of talked shop, so that guitar has been pretty important to you in your career, right? And so are you kind of a semi-hollow diehard in terms of that, or I'm just curious what, what you're playing these days and what you're connecting yeah. with? I mean, that's definitely my baby, my 335 1978. It is like, I've had it since I was 17 and I was, I feel like we've grown together. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like my hand marks, my, like the wear marks are from my hands. And there's yeah. something about that, that I think, uh, I feel bonded to that instrument, but I don't like to tour with it. And sometimes it's not the right guitar. So, um, a couple weeks ago, I got an uh, Les Paul gold top with P90s. That's been a lot of fun the last few weeks. I have a Tele, and um, I just got a, a new neck put on and a custom neck by Mike Mike Cornwall. So that I've been playing. I play that a lot. I love that. I got this new Heritage that is awesome. This mm-hmm. honestly, like I'm kind of a guitar junk. I mean, we all are. We're guitar junkies, but I've. <laughs> I, I call myself a good. It's probably. It's, I don't know who's listening, but it's not a nice name about guitars because I just kind of. 
I'm open to them all. I'm like, yeah, let's try this one. Let's try this one. Um, right. Because for me, it's just fun. And I feel like the same way different guitar pedals can bring out different sides of you, different guitars bring out different sides of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like this guy, Kevin Equitz, is building me a guitar right now that's almost ready. That's purple and like lavender and fun, you know. So the 335 is my ch- is like my soulmate of guitars. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of have like mistresses that I, I like to play and I feel like will like bring out different sides of me. And sometimes they're just more appropriate for what's happening. Yeah, that's that's so you I saw you with another 335. Yeah. So when I tour, like I, I feel very fortunate when I tour, I have a couple Gibson guitars that I'll, I'll sometimes play a, a, a 339 and then I have a, a 335 from them as well that I'll, I'll use on tour because I'm so, if anything happened to this baby, like I'd, you know, you're like touring and you want to like use your favorite guitar gear. And so I kind of go back and forth about it, but my 335 doesn't typically uh, go on planes. And I don't really like that. You know, that for me is, unless, I don't know. Talking to three fellas here who tour with these arch, my L5, you know, and I I mean, that guitar costs more than a Prius and I'm checking that on commercial flights, but you know, Calton cases, I, you know, I love Calton's and you just have to leave it to the universe to make sure I've flown thousands of times probably with that guitar now never really had a problem i know it's always such a fight and i always i get so much anxiety i I realize like i have too much anxiety when i'm traveling with a guitar that i'm so i'm that emotionally connected to that it's just not worth it like and especially like i I travel a lot now with my telly i'll just when i was traveling i just put it on my back because if that goes under i'm like i'm not worried you can drop that from a flight of stairs and it's probably going to be okay you know so you have a new recording that's going to be coming out later this year is that right something june 4th yeah the third single came out a week ago and then um the the final the full thing comes out in like five weeks oh awesome awesome well i'd love to play a little track right now from this recording this is called it's saint it's the title track right saint george um, after St. George, Utah, or just St. George? Or <laughs> it's uh, There's a street in, that I would run on a lot called St. George in Los Feliz, yeah. Yeah, Molly, that sounds so good. Thanks, Perry. Good to see you. Yeah, it's very good to see you. Um, I don't think I've had the pleasure of uh, getting to know you all that well, so it's been fun to kind of sit here and listen to uh, you and John catch up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I really like the trio stuff you're doing. I had uh, some questions about the new project. I, yeah. I had some guesses as to who I think is playing with you on there. Uh, partly because I think I read it on your website, but it is, is that Jay Belleros on there? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty definitive player on drums. And then the bassist is uh, one Jennifer Condos. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. we had yeah we played together on Sunday. Uh, we had our first gig since March eleventh, two thousand twenty. So yeah, how did it feel? Oh my god! Like- yeah, last weekend I was like, uh, I keep saying the line. I feel like part of my soul came back to me. I had some gigs with Jason Mraz last weekend, and then the next day with Jennifer and Jay and Jen, and it was just like, oh my god. My life. I remember this. I remember the feelings. Yeah, it was freaking incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it might be a good thing. Um, I know the context of the pandemic has been terrible for everybody, but there might be some good things that we come back to the gigs that we used to play with a little bit more gratitude and just like another sense of uh, fire in our plane or a deeper connection to what we do. So, um yeah, one of the things I wanted to ask you about in terms of the recording and the trio overall is that uh, you seem to have a bit of a vision to like bring instrumental music back and to focus a lot on like the arrangement and the setting and the scenario that you're cultivating with the three people in addition to the improvising. You know, yeah. I- yeah, I'm really happy you said that because that's exactly it. We uh, Like Jen says, bringing the instrumental back because it's so they're like focused on the song the arrangement and of course you know improvisation is an element of it that's what i grew up doing so yeah but it's not necessarily like the forefront for the uh trio that you might encounter more in in like uh you know i don't know different kinds of jazz music especially where the bulk of the music is about the improvisation and in some ways you know the concept that you're describing um, and and uh, showing with your trio is similar to what we've done in new west in a lot of ways because we do a lot of things where we're crafting the music through arrangements and different kinds of guitars, and then there'll be like a section where somebody's blowing and improvising over it. And uh, I don't know if you've, you know, uh, been able to tour a lot with this band, but I think that audiences really connect to that kind of stuff. You know, Have you yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we we had some stuff lined up for 2020, and I'm hoping that we can get back out. And I don't know when or what it'll look like, but definitely when we play out, um, I I think audiences connect with it because because you know what do people hear? It's not all about like as as much as we we like to think it is. It's not all about like wanking and having some like shreddy solo. People, music to me is storytelling, and instrumental music of storytelling too so i think that's really what we're trying to do is like through the arrangement and the song is is tell a story and that includes the the improvisation too all of that having one through line of like a coherent story being told so talk a little bit about uh producing the record and coming up with the repertoire and how much you guys rehearsed or not and was there touring before the recording and you know all that kind of stuff i love hearing about it yeah, so we would, I mean, the three of us would gig a ton when uh, Jay, Jen, and I all, like, especially Jay and I, like, tore a fair amount, you know, um, and so whenever we were in town, we'd find these, like, weekends or these pockets where we'd be together and we'd we'd get, and I'd be sure to get a gig for, like, the weekend that we're all there, the home, because um, cause it was important to all of us, you know, I think, like, this music, we get to... The music, we we love playing together so much, you know, it's just like, uh, there's a different, I feel like Jay and Jen take me to a higher level and their maturity and their depth has like, um, 
made me more mature and me deeper when I play. And so like, I love playing with them so much, but most of the song, Jen has always really encouraged me to write original music. So this album is entirely original music. About half the songs I wrote alone or maybe a little, and then half Jen and I wrote together. Jen, you know, when I would be touring, Jen would send me a little clip or I'd send her a little clip of a section and she'd be like, what do you think? I'd be like, cool, I'll write the second half or vice versa. And then we'd get together and kind of work out these arrangements and like focus on the song, of course, you know, like how, but how can you make it most clear? So the three of us would get together in their living room and work out all the songs. And sometimes they'd be pretty much fully realized when I got there, but often there'd be things that were like still you know unclear like the intros or like how do you get from one section to the next and Jay's so good at that and so it's really fun to work on that all together because I think like everyone's strengths are kind of happening in the trio where Jen's such a great songwriter and coming up with such beautiful melodies and Jay's so amazing at arranging and understanding the arc of a song Mm -hmm. um and so the three of us together is just so much fun um and the whole concept of the album is is like home and movement because a a lot of these songs were written while I was on tour or like in a hotel room and there was a lot of shifts in my life during that time of like like moving for the first time in a while and going through a breakup and whatever you know just this concept of like movement and what is home i think are are present in the record and we had been talking about doing an original record uh for a while because before the the other record we have that's out is like super casual we just basically would like hang out at their house and like eat cheese and bread and like drink some wine and like record in their living room and it's like oh wait i think i have a record now (laughs) So that's how the last record happened. But this was like, no, let's be really conscious. So we went to United. Uh, Jay loves the the drum room there in Studio B. Mm. And um, we got Mike Persante, who's an amazing engineer and a good friend. He works with Jay and Jen a ton. Um, So we went in there to United back in end of 2019 and spent two days there and recorded the entire record live. There's only like two small parts that have any like layered overdubs of anything. Like it's almost entirely recorded live with no, nothing on top. Not like bare, like, I don't know if there may be a couple spots where I'd be like, Oh, that melody notes wrong. You know, I like, going and fix it but almost the entire thing is just recorded live and I mean we were gigging a lot um and so yeah it wasn't it wasn't like we we didn't have to rehearse a ton per se before the recording I think we had like one extra rehearsal right before just so we all felt more focused and more like it it could be happen more fluidly that's awesome all right I gotta show you one thing hold on one second okay cool now I'm excited I'm what what is this thing (laughs) hey Oh, nice. It's the same vintage. This is gold for the podcast because all the listeners can't see this. But what I'm showing Molly is my 78335 over here. Wait, yeah, let me. I got this. You got your coil switch too. That's right. That's right. From Rudy's Music in New York a couple years ago for some gigs and recordings that I had coming up. And these guys will tell you I put off the 335 move (laughs) for a long time, probably longer than I should have because I was so dedicated to the 175 that thing that you were talking about where like the movements on the back of the you know fretboard are like yours and yeah all that stuff yeah it definitely bonds you to your instrument i that resonates with me so much but how 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 are you liking the 78 through 35 love it and i recorded some tracks down here with it the other day and just trying to get a good tone and you know i wanted to ask you about your setup on these guitars 
if I can steal a little uh, advice from you on it. But I'm rocking 11s with like medium action and I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, what do you like to do to get your tone? Like, give me the give me the rundown of the specifics. Everything from the guitar strap, the guitar pick. <laughs> you wanna, okay, wait, okay. I'm all about the copper piece guitar straps. They're like the most fun. Gotta create just, vibe somehow, you know. But um, tone, it's like funny, and I'm sure I, I have a feeling you guys would have the same answer. But I feel like 95 to 99 percent is your fingers. You know, like that's yeah. so much of your tone is like how you, because I I'm a I'm a avid hybrid picker, so yeah. it is a combination of how I hold my pick. I use it on the side, so I get like the that warmer sound versus the tip of the pick, and then a lot of it is my fingers. I use 11s on my 335. I, I had 12s for a minute, and then I was like, wait, this is actually stupid. This is not how this guitar should be played for me at least yeah for no, what I, I was doing which was like not straight up straight ahead jazz was kind of eclectic music uh -huh. um so i use 11s and i'm low action i'm like i'm always trying to make my life easier so that means low action <laughs> well that's funny you say that because that is part of the podcast is we like to try to think about you know if somebody has high action they have do they have more resistance in their life overall? So it's something that we've thought about. <laughs> oh my God, I think life is so hard. So everything I can do to make it easier, I do, which includes low action. So I'm all about <laughs> low action. Um, but I've been trying to play slide guitar, which doesn't work well with slide guitar. So I need to get uh, a higher action on one of my instruments. But yeah, I do um, higher action. I'm, I use Ernie Ball 11s. Um, I've also been a fan. I've always just been into them. I feel like they're like consistent. They're easy. Uh, Gabriel Tenor strings. He's awesome as well. Mm -hmm. He's a guy based out in LA who he hand winds his strings. Um, cables, sinusoid cables. They also they're like fun and have like they're, they're actually based up, up up north. Do you know them, John? They're I was like, just gonna write that down because I sliced my cable in half with a drum symbol the other day. So I need to go get a new guitar cable. <laughs> yeah, they're based up in um, Washington. <laughs> it's this guy Andy Kim, and he has the, the cables are so fun. Like I have like a purple cable, a rainbow cable, a, a yellow cable, and they sound great. But I'm you know a sucker for flash. I, I'm I'm getting a, a lavender guitar mate. You know, it's I mean, like you, kind of fun. You've got that really cool popsicle colored. Princeton that I love and I told you I'm the person that gets to buy that amp if you ever want to sell that amp because I want oh, an amp that's orange and white it's so cool yeah. looking thank you never selling that guy but you can have other amps of mine <laughs> all right deal sonosoid <laughs> but yeah. okay cool so I think most I, like tone is really your fingers but it, for me I, I find a lot of because earlier when John said something about asking like if the semi hollow body is like my my thing and I mean it is a thing I, I tend to do because of this guitar but often I find that 335s in particular can get really mid-rangey um, and this one doesn't as much as other ones. And so I find that's like for tone wise, solid, solid bodies are often more consistent and easier to work with. Like the, for me, like if I could only play one guitar that wasn't this 335, it'd probably be a telly just because of how versatile it is. Like, you know, you can really get a warm sound. You get a lot of twang. Um, and I'm, I don't know what I'm going with, but yeah, tone, it's all about your hands. Be gentle, have your guitar amp. This is like a Bruce tip that I was like, it was like revolutionary for me. I was like, turn your amp up so you don't have to hit as hard. So you get this like round warm sound. So I'm always yelling at my students for that. I'm like, why is, why are you hitting your instrument so hard? 
Guys, yeah, that's a good one to remember. Your touch on the instrument. What was, uh, now we're getting into USC territory. What were the five T's from uh, Professor Richard Smith? Do you remember oh them? God, tone, touch, tude. Wait, tone. It's funny, Taste. actually, because I was writing some curriculum oh. and I was like, <laughs> definitely hitting some of the five T's, not all five. Okay, tone, touch, tude, time. Yes. What's the fifth? Taste. Taste. Yeah, we're going to have to... Oh, you got your doctorate there. Oh you got another five T's. Can, can I call a friend on for this question? <laughs> I think you just did. I think John got it. I think. Yeah, Thank next, you, next we're going to ask you the barrier tunes, Molly. Here we go. Stella by Starlight Honestly, up a fourth. Here we go. <laughs> I probably have the barrier list on my computer. <laughs> so I have to ask, I mean, going through USC from undergrad through doctorate, you're there for a while. I mean, you must have had a good way of, like, let's just say, compartmentalizing things. Because That's actually, yeah. there's a lot going on at that place. You know, there's a lot of, like, personalities. You know? Yeah, definitely. I think compartmentalizing is probably the perfect way, especially because I was, like, working so much outside of school that it was, like, I thought of USC as my job, especially when I was a TA. And, like, how lucky am I? My job is that I get to learn music and be in a classroom with, like, interesting people you know and it was like that was my focus of like thinking of it as a job and like I don't have to go and like work at a restaurant I don't have to like make lattes instead I get to go to USC and study and like how blessed am I so that was my how I compartmentalized towards the end when I was kind of you know ready to be out in the world right. but in general like I don't know memory is funny I really like when I think of USC like my heart kind of flutters and I'm like what a wonderful time like I every single professor there like I mean especially all the the guitar guys like I feel so close with them like I, I spoke with Frank the other day Bruce I still speak with Nick Stubis Tim Kobza Tim and I played tennis over quarantine it's just like Richard and I like did some uh we did a guitar ensemble thing together where both of our guitar ensembles worked together and we went and got a drink it was just like like there's not someone there who I don't think of fondly um, yeah, like I learned so much from all of them is how I, I feel. And I feel, and, and maybe it's cause I've had some time to not be like, Oh, I did, I did poorly on that test or whatever the, I don't have any negative memories. And that's like, I, oh, I have this like, like joy when I think of my time at USC and how fortunate I was to ha be around all these people that were so generous and thoughtful. And I learned so much from. Yeah. It's an incredible place and uh, so much opportunity, so much, uh, learning, from so many different people. I mean, we were really involved in the jazz department as well. I don't know if you felt like you double majored without getting the credit, but that's definitely how I felt. <laughs> we audited so many classes that I was like, I have another degree here that I just got and didn't pay for. Lucky me. So, Maybe they'll yeah. give it to you now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I doubt it. But they probably would ask me uh, to pay for it, I think. <laughs> 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 we'll give you a degree if you'll just uh, retroactively pay for it. No. Uh, <laughs> it's an amazing place, and it's just cool to... Um, connect with another guitarist from SC that's doing uh, great things in their career. So uh, with that, I'll pass it over to Will. I know he's got some questions for you as well. Cool. So I have to, I have to continue this 335 discussion because I've been like biting my tongue wanting to input. I, I've had a 335 <clears throat> since 2011. And I mean, I love it. Like it's... What it's, year? So it's no, it, it was just off the rack at Guitar Center. Yeah, you know, I got my I got my KJS scholarship check. My uh, what was it? My junior year, fall semester, and I just went to Guitar Center and I just 
I just bought a 335, you know, and um, I've had it ever since. And it's so easy to play. I don't know, I could go on and on, but shout out to 335s for sure. Although Molly, I'm curious, because yours and Perry's are the same year. Is yours heavy or is it not? I don't, it's the only, it's, no, I don't think it's particularly heavy. Do you think yours is Perry? Mine? Oh. Uh, no, I don't think mine's heavy, but that's because you and I are both strong people. Will, (laughs) I work out. He's got to deal with his core. Well, we've been talking about core strength. One thing after another with this guy. Okay, Uh. (laughs) mine, mine is the heaviest three thirty five I've ever played. Really, you just got to work out more. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm gonna go do some pushing. No, don't be sorry. Um, we need this more on this podcast. We no, but I've played. I've this. played Johns. I've played Perry's. Uh, I've played other ones. I feel like the older ones are lighter. I swear, I'm not lying. I mean, <laughs> I'm not the strongest you know, guy, but funny. yeah. I yeah. honestly like. I, I I can tell you guys later because I'll be near another 335 when I'm back home, um, and I'll pick them up, straps off, and I'll tell you what i think mm-hmm. about mine, that. mine is a dot reissue mm-hmm. um is john john's is a- mine is uh 2015 and it wasn't it, it was they weren't doing those then it's kind of a throwback to the 60s it's got a block inlay on it um but you know you do, it is true will various gibsons even l5s the ones from the 70s and 80s are a lot heavier than the one i have which is from 2002 and i've played some less pauls that are light and some less pauls that just feel like a boat anchor you know so yeah my, yeah i just got a new les paul like i was saying and i was like you know comparing some different les pauls and this one I like the way it played and whatever, but it was a little lighter. Um, and cause you just, you reminded me of it too. When you were like, it's just something I grabbed off at guitar center, but it's great. Like, and there are just gem guitars. It kind of like, whatever you want to yeah. say, you can pick up 20, from the same year made the same day. And there's going to be a couple, one that is, you know, better than the others. Now, one more question about yours and Perry's. So you have a, a coil selector, right? Yeah. So that just goes between single coil and humbucker. In my opinion, it's bad and better. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. You, I hate the. I, do you like? I hate the single coil. It just like makes it sound dinky. That's my opinion yeah. on mine. I never yeah, ever crazy. use it. For how about you, Perry? Um, I think I would use it. In fact, I think I used it just the other day to like lay down this rhythm part on the lower strings when I didn't want it to be so fat. I wanted it to be like a little like uh, I don't know, more strat esque. You know what I'm saying? So. But Maybe I should I, find I a joy in it. If you're like trying to play any kind of lead or like fat rhythm stuff, yeah, you want that humbucker. Come on. Interesting. Anyway. Pick up. Yeah. Um, okay. So Molly, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we ever interacted, you called me to sub for you for Avenue Q. And I think yes. I was fairly fresh out of college. I think this was 2012 or 13. Mm-hmm. And we had never met and you called me. And I literally can remember I was I was teaching somewhere i i remember getting the a call i think it was a 310 number i didn't have your right and it's just so funny but that's how that's just how yeah you remember that actually it's funny because what yes i was remembering the same thing like five minutes ago i was like oh will sub for me on those like very yeah those those, uh at some little theater in hollywood with this crazy weird amp that you warned me about and i still was kind of thwarted (laughs) by it It, like the reverb was noisy oh my god and you're like oh you just have to switch the reverb off i'm like oh i should have known that before i did the first gig anyway so funny 
Yes, I actually, that's my amp. Like, that was, my dad played guitar before I did, and it was an amp he got at, uh, first, whatever. So that was, like, my first amp, and I didn't have that many amps at this point, and I was, like, I'm not bringing an amp back and forth for this gig. I'm just leaving it there, and so it was that very not good amp that is still at my parents' house that I should probably get rid of. You know how you, I need to get rid of things. And you know what's funny? That that was where I first met uh, Martin Diller. Oh my god! I had drinks with him like two, three nights ago. Yeah. I know at least John knows him too from from CalArts. Just played a gig with he's, him on Wednesday. Yeah. He, oh, he is such. A, wait, Wednesday? I'm like, did I? I saw him Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, he is so great and such a good friend. Yeah. But yeah, we. So right out of college, um, during my master's degree, I was doing for like nine months at that theater. I did, I did Avenue Q and Paula Himney. I did two musicals back to back. And that was when I knew I never wanted to be a pit musician. Yeah, it's a grind. It's a grind. But, you know, I'm sure you agree. You learn you learn how to just view music a little differently. And I mean, it's I think it's beneficial long term. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so happy I did that gig for so many reasons. I feel like it got me out of college mode and into like, you know, because it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So like all my friends from college, I couldn't only my musician friends I could hang out with, you know, because everyone else had like jobs and like weekends was when they were hanging out. And I I also saved a lot of money and I was like working. I was like, okay, so I'm a musician now because I work Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you know. So I'm curious if in the last year you feel that you've had a lot of time to just reassess the way you approach touring. Mm. Yeah. Or the things you bring, the things you need. You know what? I think I had that. I knew what I needed. I was talking about it this morning, actually. Um, When I'm on tour, it's for me, it's like, I already know what I need. I need a matcha. I need to be able to go for a run and I need to be able to practice for an hour. If I can do those three things every day, I'm a very pleasant person to tour with. If I don't get those things, I'm I'm not it depends on how many days in a row. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, if I can have a matcha, a jog and at least an hour of practice, then like that's what I need every day. Outside of that, it's like, yeah, some good food's nice. Exploring the city's nice, but um yeah, those are my touring essential things. So as far as gear, I'm wondering, Okay. don't mind me. I'm just going to go down the gear rabbit hole because I've been Let's go. You know, like the last, especially the last couple months, I've just been reassessing and just had a lot of time to just think mm. about like, do I really need that freeze pedal? No, let me rip that off my board. Just things like that, like things that you're like, wow, this has kind of just been on my tour rig, just messing with my signal for years now. Why? Let me just take that off. Have you like had any moments like that? Yeah, I'm the opposite though. Right in January, I got my pedal board done. This this company A3, the guy who runs it, they're in Korea, like made my pedal board and fixed it up, and it's like ready for tour. And then like I, I used it for like a month, and then lockdown happened. So I had this like pretty easy. It's like a simple board. It has like overdrive distortion track, like just like you know like eight pedals that are like my essential pedals. And now I, like over the last year, I'm like, but I want weird things too. So like just last week, I kept like adding extra things to the beginning or the end of actually this whole last, I've, I keep doing that now where I add maybe like I was using an envelope filter. Jason has like a new version of I'm yours that I use like an envelope filter on. And then um, just, I was using this astral destiny, like some earthquake, earthquaker devices has some like really great pedals and I, I have a ton of their stuff and their stuff can get a little weird. So in a good way. So I, I keep like wanting to to add 
a couple things. I just got a new flanger. And I was like, flanger is cool. Like, well, I want this on my board. So I might actually just, I, I'm having the opposite thing as you, where I just want more. Upsizing. Yeah, because my thing, my setup is so simple right now mm-hmm. that I want to be able to have a few extra pedals so I can, I can, you know, like play differently and different sides of me come out. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, I did this session a couple of days ago and I had flanger on it added to my board. It's like, this is the most fun thing ever. And then like I add the astral destiny it has this like crazy, like, like octaves of my reverb. And I'm like, the, it has so it's like so big. So when I'm like playing in a smaller setting with just like me and my brother, it's nice to have that, that. Yeah. So no, I'm going opposite. I'm like, give me more. <laughs> And then, and then what about like at home? I know you said you've been recording some as we all have. Have you, have you like just noticed a real shift? Like if you listen to something you recorded from home a year ago versus now, have you noticed any tangible like differences? Yeah. So I did a session a few months back where someone used a 414 on a guitar amp and I was like, whoa, because I was just using my 57 and it really wasn't getting the full range of possibilities. And so what I started doing recently was 57 plus 414 on my amp. And even that alone, it's like you get a lot of depth and like low end from the 414 on an amp when you and then the the 57, you can have like a lot more of the high end and mixing that together sounds so freaking good. So even just that alone. Yeah, it's like. So, yes. You guys have been talking about the Princeton. I've been like eyeballing Princeton's. I'm really, because I have a deluxe reverb mm-hmm. and I have a Hendrickson 10 inch. Those are like my two gigging amps. And I, I'm just, I look at that deluxe. I'm like, I do not want to bring this downstairs and put it in my hatchback. Totally. Prius. This is just immoral, you know? <laughs> I know. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. You don't have that little, remember, I, I, this was like, I think like a New York thing, like the lunchbox amp. Perry probably was. I've totally played that. those, but, but I don't need that. I mean, I want to, mm-hmm. I want a Princeton, but John, you just got something that's close to a Princeton, right? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. It's a vintage sound and it's a Princeton size, but it has Vibrolux power. And it mm-hmm. has a mid knob on it and a dwell for the reverb. So it's got some extra stuff. I kind of spec'd it out with the guy that built it. I had a Princeton last year and I loved it. But 12 watts for me, for being mostly a clean guy, it just wasn't quite enough to get the range of what I wanted out of my pedals. So I sold it. To, I, I'm, you know, if I could have all the amps in the world, of course I would keep it. But I only have so much space. So I, I got this one and I'm actually, I should be getting it maybe next week. I'm pretty excited. So it has a mid knob. That's it, a huge seller for me mid knob and 35 watts so it's twice the power of a princeton mm. but it's the size of a princeton but it's funny that you say that about a deluxe because let's see perry's got a vibro king how often do you haul that around new york perry <laughs> ever <laughs> <laughs> four by ten you know so yeah anyway. um well, molly one last thing sorry john yeah. I'm pass it back so you sound beautiful on the yeah. album and I, i'm Thank excited you. to hear the other track so what are um what are your plans for, you know, touring or or further further music endeavors under your own stuff? Yeah, so I mean, we we want to tour and and put the record, you know, I want to tour this around the states and go to Japan and go to Europe. I feel like, you know, some of the like other places in the world sometimes are more um open to instrumental music, but I think even yeah, so I'm hoping we can tour, but it is like what clubs are open? What are they going to pay? What's safe? We have to, we probably have to be outdoors. And like, so I don't know what our tours are going to look like is the truth, but, um, we're actually going to start getting together and start arranging our next record. And just, you know, I think the focus right now is to, 
be creating music and touring will be back it might not it might like proper tour although there's like some talk of some stuff for in summer for some other things like I don't know what it's going to be like for the rest of the year and even 2022 part of 2022 is the truth so I think the focus is just for us to be continuing to write and record because we learn so much from that as well. Um, and I think, you know, it's like it's like working out your body. You can't like only do your arms all the time. And if you're just performing, like your legs are weak or whatever, you know. So I think it's like the combination of, of focusing right now more on the writing music and arranging music and just Jen, Jay and I playing together again now that all of us are vaccinated and it feels safer, you know. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for for indulging all my uh, nerdy gear questions. It was great to see you. I I don't think I've actually seen you in person in a really long time. I can't even remember, but Same. thanks for that gig in um, 2013. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah, I was like right out of college. All right. Yeah. Thanks. I I no, went to those Avenue. Q- I went there. I remember Martin playing on that gig, and I went to one of the shows, and I think I saw you there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was hilarious. Avenue Q is a pretty hilarious show, but so um, funny. But no, but. Uh, Again, so we're delighted to have had had you today here on High Action. Where can our listeners go check out your stuff? Are you primarily kind of doing the Instagram thing right now, or where where can people be following you the best? Yeah, I think like I'm Instagram is good, and then I have a website and like YouTube channel. I'll put things up, but if you go to my website, Molly Miller Music, or my Instagram, Moody Mill M O D Y M I L L, like those those places, you yeah, are, and- I'm easy to find on the internet, which is. Sometimes scary, but I think the reality of being a human being. So that's what we do these days. And and so your record, St. George, drops on June 4th? Yeah. Okay, great. And and people can check that out on Spotify. Can they pre-save it right now and everything too? Or please pre-save it. I think you can right now. I need to be better at uh, promoting the on the. It's all new for me. But yes, pre-save it right now. Yeah. Go buy it all the things you can yeah so i'm on itunes and spotify and all the places yeah we have molly the, miller trail we've got the best listeners on this podcast and everybody's been pretty like very interested in what people are doing and following people because we're hearing that from our guests that are saying oh this is great a lot of people checked out the records so mm-hmm. we want people to go listen to the music and again molly we appreciate it you already answered our question how high your action is it's pretty uh, easy to play you're saying is that kind of what you're feeling these days because we got to uh, know how high is the action on your guitar for high action I'm a podcast. Southern California girl, low action, chill vibes. Chill vibes, dude. Yeah, that's right. Well, oh, Mal- yeah. Matcha. <laughs> yeah. Give me a matcha and take me to the ocean. I'll be love. It'll be perfect. Yeah. <sighs> My goodness gracious. What Those strings world? are lower near the ocean, you know. John, you playing? Are you playing your Marquion out on the bluff? Enjoy uh, uh, no. scraping the barnacles off. Yeah, definitely not. More taking the telly over there, man. Yeah, exactly. That's what the that's what the plank is for, as Howard Roberts called that guitar, the plank. So <laughs> anyway, Molly, we pr- so appreciate you being here. Thanks a bunch, and we do hope to see you live here around LA. I'd say you can borrow an amp anytime you need it, but you live down the street, so you know. But. I'll still take that Princeton off your hands whenever you don't want it anymore, okay? You're welcome to borrow it. Um, So good to see all three of you. Thank you guys for having me on High Action. It was a pleasure. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting edition of High Action. We'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible, especially those who follow us on Patreon. If you'd like to join us, visit us at www.patreon.com slash newwestguitargroup. There you can subscribe monthly to our Patreon page and get exclusive content from today's podcast.
Lastly, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for all the future episodes. Once again, I'm John Story with New West Guitar Group, and thanks for joining us on High Action.